Romans 3.19 says this. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. We'd say that everyone would shut up, that no one would have an argument or debate, and that all the world may become, three words, guilty before God. So when he uses that phrase, before God, that is a phrase, it, it just it means in God's sight. We, we often hear uh, before God in, in special circumstances or special in, uh, ceremonies like at a wedding. We say, we stand here before in the presence of our family and friends and before God. We say things like that. Sometimes you hear it at funerals. It just means that you're being watched by God. God sees us. It's, we're open book before God. Most people are, are however, you know, um, uh, most people, i got to get that picture in, um, are good at hiding things. You know, people can hide their Google history. People know how to do that. People know how to hide phone numbers and images from their spouse and their parents. I've known people to hide drink. Be very surprised. They, they think that they've hidden it and then somebody finds it in the, in the oven. <laughs> oh, what, is, what is a bottle of vodka doing in the oven? Somebody's hiding it. People know how to hide drink and drugs, and they're hiding who they really are. But God sees all. He sees us as plain as day. So when we come to, you may come to church, and you may be able to, to me, justify some, some act or some attitude or some sin. You may have some excuse in your mind. You may have some way of explaining away how you think that maybe you're not so wrong. But God sees us as we really are. He says, shut up and, 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 and take the truth. So uh, we have no defense or argument against God's evaluation. Uh, we're all guilty before, before God of breaking his laws. And if we'd be honest, we know that we deserve God's wrath. We don't deserve just a little uh, pat on the rear. We're in trouble with God. So what is true, when you go back to verse 1, is the Gentiles were seen by the Jews as somebody that was so evil and so wicked, and the Jews, not so bad. And you know, I find a lot of Christians that same way. And you better, you better just take these verses and watch how God, through the Apostle Paul, brings us back to who we really are, and that is we're all guilty. So look there in verse 1 and 2, Romans chapter 3. We're going to talk about, first of all, he talks about the advantage of being a Jew. Verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? In chapter 2, he just talked about how being circumcised or not circumcised doesn't matter. Claiming to be a Jew, claiming to be a Gentile does not matter. So all of a sudden, the question is, well, What's the big deal about being a Jew? So he asks, what advantage do they have? And, and that's a good question. If circumcision does no good, and if no one can actually keep the law perfectly, are the Jews special at all? And the truth is, they are special. They're, they do have an advantage over the rest of us. They're special people. They are God's people. We have not replaced them. They are still, even though they're ungodly, and most of their history they've been ungodly, they are still God's people. God made promises that are eternal to them. But in verse 2, it goes on and says, much every way. They have a lot of advantage over Gentiles, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. 
What's an oracle of God? It's the Bible. To the Jews was given the Bible. They've been given a perfect revelation. They have the advantage over everyone else in this world because they've been given God's perfect revelation of himself. You're not going to find God in a test tube or a microscope or in a telescope. And God didn't give, he didn't reveal himself to the Aborigines or Dubliners or Italians or Goths. He gave his words to the Jews, not to us. This Bible is a Jewish book given to the Jews. He, God used Jewish writers, every one of them. Jesus, by the way, was a Jew. I've actually met people who say Jesus was not a Jew. That is such arrogant ignorance. Jesus was the perfect Jew. Every author of your Bible was a Jew. Moses, David, Nehemiah, Ezra, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, Jude, all of them were Jews. So when we come to the Bible, God gave us perfect revelation through that group of people that a lot of people don't like. And uh, it's the, this Bible is uh, superior to all other truth there is out there. I mean, you find truth in every book that there's some truth. And um, it's... it's there, you know, most books, unless they're fiction, are, are talking about something they know or they discovered. That's fine. But the only book that's true from start to finish is your Bible. But the question is, why shouldn't the Jews all believe the Bible? Shouldn't they believe the gospel? Look at verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Hmm. Now just stop there for a second. Most Jews don't believe the gospel. Don't believe that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies, fulfilled all the laws which is kind of strange because it's like hand in glove. Shouldn't the Jews actually believe their own book? And if they don't, doesn't that reflect badly on God? That's what's going through the mind here of normal people back then, and it still does here. And, and with the Jews having every reason to believe God, every reason to trust him, to obey him, to preach, they should have been the greatest gospel-preaching people throughout all time. For a little while they were when they got saved. But they're not. And the question is, does that reflect bad on God? And it does. So look at verse 3. He says again, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Now that's a good question because just because people don't believe in God, they don't obey the Bible, doesn't disprove the existence of God. If you lived in a country of atheists, that doesn't prove there's no God. I don't care. Everybody believes that we all came from an amoeba. That doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. Uh, gravity is true whether people believe it or not. I know some people who don't believe in gravity. I'll just take them up to a top building and accidentally push them off the top. They will believe in gravity on the way down. Amen. <laughs> there are people who believe the earth is, is flat. I'm telling you, the earth is round whether people believe it or not. But it's just funny how say, well, by their own belief, well, that's not what I believe. I, it doesn't matter what you believe. Your belief doesn't change facts. Faith in, 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 in God is true because God is true. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 4. God forbid. Now, let me just read verse 3 to see where the God forbid comes in again. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Shall it ruin Faith, <clears throat> if there are all these people who don't believe, verse 4, God forbid, yea, let God be what? God is always true. And this is, I, 
there's a there's there's a couple of women up in Mallow when I went up started the church up there. One of the women, this is her life verse. Every man's a liar. <laughs> That's her life verse. Uh, you got to know the background. But anyway, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou, God, mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged, when people try to judge God. The truth is, God cannot lie. And, and faith in God is true because God is true. And that's a statement. It, it wouldn't matter if, if everybody in, in Balancholic were a Muslim, or if everybody was a Buddhist, or if everybody was atheist. God is still true. And everyone is a liar. Do you understand that? That's the point. Muhammad was a liar. You got to understand this. Joseph Smith, who started the Mormons, was a liar. Craig Ledbetter is a liar. Do you understand? We don't follow people. We follow the Son of God. God is true. Then Paul quotes Psalm 51. And uh, uh, Psalm 51, he's, Paul, uh, sorry, David uh, is, is responding to the fact that he's been exposed as, as a murderer and as an adulterer. And he's the one that actually says this. He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done evil in thy sight. And he admits God, you saw me when I took another man's wife and I lay with her and got her pregnant and, and, and uh, had her husband murdered. You saw it all. And he goes on. He says, I sinned against you and I admit it that you, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. So anybody tries to judge God, let me tell you, he knows you. And God is right when he's passing judgment. And, and this, this thing of... of the fact that every man's a liar. Now, when you and I see somebody, we don't see that long stretch of a nose like on Pinocchio, but God does. Beneath the nice Christian uh, church veneer, every one of us, male, female, uh, uh, old, young, we're all liars. All you need to do is be provoked. All you need to do is just have the right situation or the hard situation where if you tell the truth, you get in trouble. You'll always lie. That is man. That is women. That is us. Every man's a liar. That starts us off on a good point, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. So verse 5 now. Picking up there in verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God. Now these words, he says, if our sin proves God's right, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. Now he's not, he's, he's being cute. He's saying, I'm talking like a normal guy without thinking this thing through. Verse six, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? Verse seven, for if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Now he's playing a game. He's saying, if God is, is, is shown to be more righteous by me lying, why am I also judged as a sinner? Why is it wrong for me to be a sinner if my sin makes him look better? Isn't that a funny question? Verse 8, And not rather as we be slanderously reported, we Christians, and as some affirm that we say, as if Christians were going around saying, let us do evil. And there are Christians who live absolutely wicked lies. And they say, I'm under grace. What? God is all glorious and my sin makes him look. Listen to this. Verse 8, and rather uh, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. Paul is like, you are so messed up. Um, do, the question that, that 
that he's trying to answer is, do sins make God look good? And evidently, people thought that since sins make God look good and righteous, sin's not so bad. And uh, how can God be so right to judge us if they actually make God look good? Now, if I had a torch in here, and I'm you know, on my phone, I got a you know, little lamp. If I turn that torch on, that light on, eh, big deal. But isn't it brighter when it gets darker? And the more dark it is, the brighter my light is. So the thought is that people get the idea that, well, my sin is dark and it is, just makes God look brighter. That, how do people get there? Why? Because they're trying to justify their sin and they're comfortable with their sin and they won't admit that they need to repent. So when, when you think about this thing, it's like, God, why am I in trouble if my sin makes you look good? It's like such a messed up thing. And he actually says, you are so messed up. Your damnation is just and right. Because did you know sin has never helped anyone? That bit of drink that you think you can get away with has never helped you one day of your life. has made you an addict. Every drug you ever take, even prescription drugs, anytime your doctor gives you prescription drugs, do your best to get healthy, to get off of them. Because they only carry you for a little while, then they grab you and they take you and they ruin you. Sin, not that all drugs are sin, but everything starts so innocent and then grabs you and ruins your life. Sin has never helped one person ever. So there's no sin that benefits anybody. The Christian does right. You do the right thing. Even if you lose all your friends, even if you lose your job, do right. Don't say, well, if I do wrong, well, God will get all the glory. No, he gets all the glory no matter what. So we come to verse 9, and then Paul goes right for the heart. He shows us what we really are. We're not just liars. He could list sins like lying and stealing. He doesn't do that. He shows us. That what we are as sinful people. Look in verse 9. I'm going to read verse 9 to 18. Then we'll come back and talk about it. What then? Are we better than they? Are we Jews? Oh, sorry. Yeah, are we Jews better than they, the Gentiles, the sinners? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both who? Jews, religious, and Gentiles, pagan, that they are all under the condemnation of sin. Verse 10. As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. That's an open grave. With their tongues, they have used deceit, lying. The poison of asps, an asp is a venomous snake, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Isn't that true more to, than ever today? I mean, you can't be getting petrol without hearing somebody curse and effing blind. Their feet are swift to shed blood. They, they love movies that are killing each other. They, we, 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 don't, we don't care. As long as I get vengeance and we hurt other people, we'd love to see them dead. Verse, verse 16 destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known there is no fear of God before their eyes what a list here I mean none righteous 
Does that go along with the other verse we mem- we're memorizing? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not Mother Teresa, nope, not Paul, Pope John Paul the 82nd. There is none righteous, no, not one. I like how he says that, no, not one. That sort of nails it. He goes on, he says, there's none that understands God. You know, uh, you cannot find God unless you hear from his word. You're not going to figure God out, like I said, with a microscope and telescope. You're not going to figure him out through science or education or through transcendental meditation. I know a lot of people who thought they met God when they were, on, when they were tripping on LSD back in the 70s. And they weren't talking to God. They were talking to a demon. But no one understands God. Not without God revealing himself. No one seeks after God. Now, that's a, that's a strong statement. But that's the truth. What people normally seek after, I don't care if you're super religious, you know what people look for? Money. You know what they want? Fame. Power. You know what people want? Food. <laughs> Self-promotion, popularity, pleasure, success. That's what we want. If God gives it to us, great, I'll go along with him. But as soon as the free food stops, remember the disciples? Jesus is feeding people and the crowds grew, didn't they? When he stopped feeding them, the crowds went away. <laughs> They weren't in, Jesus even said it. He says, you're not here because I do miracles. You're here for free food. People don't look for God. They don't like what he is. You know why this church is not full? And you're pretty full today. But you know why we don't have a thousand people here? And why a sports arena has 80,000? And why discos are packed and they have to cycle them in and cycle them out? Because that's what people are looking for. This is not what people are looking for. Did you know Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 13 says this, you shall seek me, talking about, this is God talking to us, and you shall find me if you search for me with all your heart. And yet people don't. God says, I'm not so hard to find if you just want to find me. He goes on and he says, none seeks after God, all go astray. You're in Romans, go to Isaiah, hold your place here, go to Isaiah, chapter 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. The great chapter on the Messiah. Isaiah 53, verse 6. They're all gone out of the way. That simply means they've gone off course. <laughs> as, as Eric would say, they've gone off road. They go their own way, make their own road. And this is all predicted there in Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone, there's that word, astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And yet the Lord had laid on him, on the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. So we go our own way, and yet the Messiah, who never sinned, who never deviated, who did everything right, he got punished. That's the gospel. Um, Most people reject God's design for them. Now people are even uh, rejecting their own design of gender. They're rejecting their own design. I've seen people in Cork, I, 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 just, I just wonder, they must hate themselves, and they do, because everything about them has been changed. God made you, made you awesome, made you fearfully and wonderfully, but everybody wants to do their own thing. I'm just doing my own thing. I'll never, never forget telling my dad when I was growing my hair, and I was wearing my bell bottoms, and I, I had my, my uh, disco I wasn't going to a disco. I was 11 years old. But I had my disco T-shirt on and had tie-dye on it. My dad says, why are you looking like that? He said, because I want to be different. (laughs) 
He said, how come every one of your friends look the same? <laughs> but that's what we think. We're all going astray. We're doing our own thing. That's us. You know what Jesus said? Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the path that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in there at. Everybody goes the astray way. But narrow is the way and straight is the path that leadeth to life. And few there be there that find it. You, you want to you wanna do this thing called Christianity? It's going to be hard. You're going to have to watch people walk away from you and never pick you up again, never want to befriend you again. And you just got to go the hard way. Not that salvation is hard, but the life is hard. So the sinful condition of all of us is we do our own thing. We go our own way. Then he says something funny back there in Romans chapter 3, verse 12. He says, all they are together become unprofitable. You are unprofitable. (laughs) You have to start admitting these things. People who are ruined by sin are of no use to God. They're now of no use to anybody else. I don't know how any woman puts up with us men. I don't know how any woman marries a man today because we are unprofitable. I mean, when was the last time that uh, Weston did the, did the dishes? Huh? I'm, don't answer that. Don't answer that. I mean, women, you don't have to say amen real loud, but you ought to be saying inside saying men are unprofitable. They're a drain. <laughs> and God doesn't need us. Doesn't need any one of us. We all take from God, don't we? We are takers. We're consumers. We bring no benefit to them. We're like holes on a ship. How many holes do you need in a ship? I mean, every hole in a ship is unprofitable, and we're just like that. We're a drain. We ruin the earth. We hurt each other. We steal, rob, take advantage. That's mankind. All of us are unprofitable to God. He goes on and he says, None doeth good. Now, this is why the King James Bible is superior to all the other Bibles you'd ever pick up. You see that word doeth? That's a, that's a word that is left. It could be just said does. But doeth means continually. Every one of you do do good things, I guarantee you. Just coming to church was a good thing. Amen? Just saying good morning is a good thing. But doing it continually. None of us do it continually. That's our nature. There, there's no one that just does the right thing consistently. You just sin at different times than I do. Uh, it goes on, he says, and this is something. If you're in Romans chapter 3, look in verse 14. He says, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. Uh, people have, uh, go back to verse 13. I should have read this one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues, they have used deceit. Poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. People have a wicked mouth. Uh, it'd be like, you know, uh, an open grave, and it's been open for years, and they just keep dumping dead bodies in there, and they're all decaying. You, you, you wouldn't want to be near there. And the stuff that comes out of our mouth is, 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 is just as, as decrepit and abominable as an open grave. Full of lying, deceit, death, poison, bitterness. Don't think that a, uh, for a minute that you're not like that. All you need is a good reason to start running your mouth into a gutter. You know, usually it was my friends. I had a spelling bee one time, I think I told you. I think I was seven years old. I just started my second class. And um, my friends were learning new words. 
So they all came over to my house. I had about like six or seven of my friends over. We're sitting there just outside my mother's kitchen window. And we all started saying, okay, because we were doing spelling bees. Spell, and I'm not quoting it. And somebody would start spelling. My mom's inside going, what? <laughs> she grabs me. You ever wonder why these ears are so big? She says, boys, go home. <laughs> Brought me in, put that rag that she had been washing dishes with, lathered it up, and put it in my mouth. She said, you're never saying those words again. I don't think I, don't think I recovered from that for years. But what would make me want to say those words, my friends? You know, you want to impress them. You want to say something that makes them shocked. All I needed was some friends is the point. They... Uh, the filth that can come out of the mouth, effing and blinding, ripping people apart, stabbing with every word, and you can do it. You don't have to have a knife to cut people down, do you? Yelling, beating people up with your words, your tongue talking like Satan himself, that's nothing to be proud of. Every one of us have a filthy mouth. Every one of us. He says in verse 15, he says, feet that run to murder? Um, now, maybe you're not killing everybody, but you sure are hurting people. And you're, you're, it's just like if somebody ever hurts you, it's like an instant reflex. You just rush to get back and to seek vengeance. You know what the truth is? When was the last time you thought of your throat like an open grave? Oh, I'm a smooth talker. <laughs> and when was the last time you thought about your feet always taking you into the wrong places? He then goes on to describe and says, We're, our lives as, as a human race are filled with destruction and misery. Verse 16, if I can find it there. He says, destruction and misery are in their ways. They're in their habits. I describe it like we're, we're like a lawnmower over a flower bed. Most of us, if we didn't have God, if we didn't have church, if we didn't have parents that taught us some sort of morality, we would be like a lawnmower over a flower bed. We'd be just destroying people's lives. And, and the more that the world turns their back on God and on any kind of morality, the more the world self-destructs, doesn't it? Destruction and misery are in their ways. It's their life. He goes on and he says, they're ig uh, where are we? Ignorant to the way of peace. Uh, everybody talks about peace. Oh, if we could all get along. It's funny. All those who want to get along don't want to get along with us. Most intolerant people are people who've been crying out for tolerance for years, and then when they get in power, then they shut us up as Christians. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is... Oh, I gotta quote that verse for a hold a second. Uh, the most intolerant people today in this world are those who have complained about the whole world being intolerant to them, and now they're the most intolerant ever. Ignorant of the way of peace, people do not know how to have peace. They only know how to force it. And then no fear of God. Hold on, that guy. No fear of God. Verse 18 is like, like the final nail. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the root problem. You know why you don't worry about what you watch? Why you don't worry about who you're with and what you do on Saturday nights? You know why? Because you don't fear God's watching. You know why over in the UK, and it's almost here, there are... On every corner, there's at least three CCTV cameras in downtown London because nobody believes God watching them, so the government has to watch. It wasn't like that 50 years ago, was it? 
because everybody generally had the fear of God. They're not there now. There's no fear of God. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Thank God for mercy. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you know you're going to be in trouble with God, you kind of go, I better not do that. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. The fear of God. What's not being preached today in most churches? The fear of God. It's funny how you pull back on that and look at the darkness. Now, I, I compare it to this. Guy had a used car a lot. You look at it, and it looks great on the outside. Shiny, gleaming. Then you ask to pop the bonnet, and, he, and the salesman reluctantly allows you to do it. And um, you pull out, you check the color and the, quali the quality of the oil. Then you sit in, and you start the engine, and then you listen to that rhythm, and you start noticing a rocking and a pinging. And then you notice out the back, black smoke coming out of the exhaust. And the salesman says, oh, don't mind all that. <laughs> that, that black smoke and... That pinging, that's the new technology at work. <laughs> you know what? That's what we're like. You know, we're, we're sinners, and, and, and we try to cover it all up. Every car salesman, every used car salesman, comes along and polishes that outside and, and uh, 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 cleans the, uh, the upholstery and, and makes it as, as good as new, but it's the engine. It's the... It's the suspension. It's what's inside and underneath that makes all the difference. And what's inside of us is that list. That's what we're like. See, these are universal all mankind. Not everyone in this room is a drunkard. Amen for that. Be glad if you've never picked up a drink. Praise God right now. Amen. I've, there's one time I had, I had uh, uh, beer handed to me by my dad. And I think I was somewhere around eight or nine years old. And I thought it was cool. He was drinking, so I asked if I could drink, and he let me have a sip, and I nearly choked and spit it out. But other than that, I've never picked up drink. And that's nothing to be bragging on, but I'm glad for it because I know how hard it is to pull away. This, this, these lips have never picked up a cigarette and sucked on it, and I'm glad for it. I hope you look and go, you know what, thank God there are some sins I haven't done. But just because you haven't done some, done some, done some, doesn't mean you haven't done others. Every, not everyone's a drunkard or a murderer, but every one of us are like that to some degree, and we fail. Um, that is why, get away from that thing, God calls preachers to expose sinful things in lives. Say, I go to church because I want to get a blessing. Amen. I go to church because I want to be encouraged. Amen. You need to get encouraged by going to church. But there's one thing you need, and that is to be reminded of what you are so that you remember how much you need Jesus Christ, so that you remember how much you need to walk with him and lean upon him and, and put your heart on him instead of on this world. A Bible preacher's job is not to make you feel loved and warmed and comfortable on the inside. My job is to actually agitate you. <laughs> is it working? I'm supposed to expose you so that you know yourself and so that you want to get saved from sin. And so God still calls men to stand and preach what this book says. God is still calling men to preach, to tell people what's in the heart of every, every hearer.
God tells preachers in 2 Timothy 2, uh, 4.2, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season, when it's popular and when it's not. Reprove, that's negative. Rebuke, that's negative. Exhort, that's positive. With all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, you want a doctor, don't you, that won't hide cancer from you? You'd like to have a doctor that actually tells you the truth. you got cancer. You'd like a doctor to tell you about bad vaccine effects, wouldn't you? Amen? We all want politicians who decide that they're never going to lie to people to get their vote. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. But may God call men again to open people's eyes and to tell the truth about what we're really like and how much we need Jesus Christ. And how much our nation, this nation, needs to get right with God and needs to get converted. Then Paul goes on. I just had to put that in there. Verse 19, let's finish this up. Verse 19, now we know that whatsoever things we started with this verse, the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, you ought to circle this verse, there shall no flesh be justified in, his, in God's sight, for by the law is only the knowledge of sin. That's what he's saying. So here's the main scripture God's law has supernatural power. Whether it's just the law written in our conscience or the law written in the Bible. It stops people from arguing, debating. Here comes somebody and they come to the doctor. He goes, I'm here for my checkup. How do you feel? I feel perfect, good. So the doctor runs some tests, puts them behind an x-ray machine and then discovers a dark spot on their lung. And the person says, but wait a minute, I feel fine. I don't have any breathing problems. You know what the doctor says? You have cancer. Yeah, but I don't feel, it doesn't matter what you feel. The doctor has exposed what's in you and it said it's going to kill you. We have to start the treatment. That is what God's law does. It exposes what's in us. My sins, I may have a list of sins that, that I'm comfortable with and that I do. They're different than in somebody else. But the point is, we're all found out. We're all exposed like an x-ray machine with sin. You know, a lot of people may feel healthy. There are other people who feel spiritual, feel like you're a pretty good person. Yet you come into a church that just preaches that Bible and you start feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> And it's because God's exposing something. You know, when, 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 uh, when Jesus rebuked and, and, and exposed sin, I mean, think about it. Jesus said, somebody was bringing it up this past week. Here's Peter. Peter's walking with Jesus, and Jesus says, um, you know what? We're going to go down to Jerusalem, and they're going to take me and torture me and murder me. And Peter says, no way! That will never happen. Not, that'll be over my dead body. You know what Jesus did? He looked right at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, what are you, how would you react to somebody calling you the devil? You know what Peter did? He stayed. He didn't go, Well, I'm fed up with Jesus. I'm gone. No, he says, He must be right. He must be right. And he stayed with him. People don't mind being told the truth. Unfortunately, and, and, and the power of the, of the Bible and the power of God's laws, and that's why you need to be a Bible reader because it covers everything, it makes us guilty. It's like 
it, it, uh, it shows what's wrong inside of us. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, none of us can be, look at that verse 20, none of us can be justified, made right in his sight. So what the, the, the statement is that in, in verse 20 it says, by the law is, is the knowledge of sin. That's all it is. Can an x-ray cure you of cancer? And God's laws doing and don't, don't help you. They only show you what's wrong. And that's how come grown men cry out, what do we do then? You've exposed, I'm, I'm this, I'm angry, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, lustful, I'm uh, a liar, I'm a thief. What do I do? Good question. Good question. Look at verse 21. The best part of the whole thing, and we're only going to touch it, and I'll, I'll come back to it next week. But now, <laughs> the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, is revealed, is exposed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, everything in the Bible talks about this one truth. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, is God absolutely perfectly right? Yes. Even the perfection, which is by, circle those words, faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For how many have sinned? and come short of the glory of God. But notice, it doesn't have a full stop there. It goes on to verse 24. Being justified. I could not be justified by the law and by my good works, but being justified freely by His grace, His kindness, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. These are the best scriptures yet. Did you know the theme of the entire Bible is righteousness is by faith alone. Whether you're Abraham, Adam, Eve, Abel, whether you're Noah, it is by faith alone. And just believing and trusting the life and the faith of Jesus is enough to save anybody. Uh, leave your place here. i got two scriptures and we're done. Psalm 103. Read you one of the most precious psalms. Psalm 103, middle of your Bible. Psalm 103, verse 10. Psalm 103 and verse 10 says this. He, God, had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So if I, if I, you know, if I start walking east, will I ever hit west? No. If I start going west, will I ever hit east? No. As far as the east is from the west, will I ever get west, maybe? Will I ever reach east? No, I'm just going that direction. As far as they are from each other, so far hath God removed our sins from us. How? 2 Corinthians. To the right. Last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. Second Corinthians 5, 21. For he, speaking of God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Did he become a sinner? No. 
But every sin that I did, you did, everybody has ever done throughout history was put on him and he had the record. The criminal record, God put his name under that criminal record. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we sinners might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a tremendous, think about it. That's called, it's, I'll try to teach on you next week. It's called imputation. The death that I owe God for all my sin, Jesus said, scratch out your name, I'll take on that debt. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the perfection of Jesus Christ, I'll put your name over that as if you never sinned. And you walk away free with eternal life and he died on that cross like you and I should have. It's a substitutionary death. It is salvation. It's the good news, folks. It's the gospel. I don't deserve to walk free. I deserve the punishment and the wrath of God. We're all, none of us can argue with God. We're all sinners. We're all guilty before God. And yet here, as we read there in Romans chapter 3, it says, there's no difference for all as sin and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemptions in Christ Jesus. It's free. And it's in Christ. It's not in this church. You say, well, if I become a member of your church, does that mean I go to heaven? No. Well, if I, if I get into baptism of water, will that get me to heaven? No. If you get into Christ, you'll go straight to heaven. Into Christ is, is a, it's just a spiritual reality where you no longer are living in sin and in this world anymore. Your life is in his hands. Your life is according to his will. It's by his design. And you just follow him. Following Jesus leads all the way home to heaven. And it's available to all, even to you. So let me finish this up with a conclusion. Number one, the Bible describes how we really are on the inside, doesn't it? I mean, it's pretty deadly. There's none righteous. No one understands the seriousness of just who God is, how big he is. Nobody knows that. None, seek, none of us seek after God. Somebody had to come to the, with the gospel. Nobody just finds God. God finds them, amen? All of us go astray. All of us are unprofitable. None of us do good continually. The truth is this, knowing that we're guilty stops us from excusing ourselves. And as we learn the, the, the laws of God, we find out that we are guilty before God. You know, it, when, when, the, when the guard show you the speed that you really were going, you think you're not speeding. And he says, I clocked you at so many miles or kilometers an hour. He says, there's the proof. You go, I guess you did. It proves our guiltiness before God. Guilty people cannot get help from God's law. That's why the guard can't help you. <laughs> when they found you out to be speeding, the guard is not going to help you. They're there to expose you, to make you guilty. So what do we do then? Well, I told you, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in what Jesus did for you. You ever been to dinner somewhere? Maybe it's been a while since somebody took you to dinner and you're getting ready to get up and pay for your meal and you find out that other person's already paid for it all. And you go, but, but I want to pay. Well, you may want to try and pay, but the other person already paid. Is there any more to pay? If that friend of yours, and hopefully now he's a really good friend, <laughs> if that person paid for it all, is there anything more for you to do? No. And when Jesus Christ paid for our sins, there's nothing more for you and I to do except say, thank you, I accept. That'll get you all the way to heaven because it's by faith not by works. 
Right now, you need to, boy, if you're not saved, if you're just religious, if you're trying to be good, you need to get saved. You need to cry out to God. Don't talk. To, I'll talk to anybody, answer any questions you've got. But he'd like to save you. Now, Jesus Christ died, and he is waiting for you to ask to be saved. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads in prayer. This Bible is a wonderful book, Father. It tells us about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God. But none of that means anything until we realize that you're holy and that you're right and you are just and you're the judge. And there's, a, there's a part of us that would like to just think we're going to sneak into heaven. We're going to be able to just go in through some back door. But there is no back door. There's only one door, and Jesus is that door. He said, I am the door. No man comes into the Father but by me. So in this room, is if there's anybody, Lord, you know every heart. You see everybody. I think everybody in this room looks great. They all look like good people, but I've read the Bible. I know they're not. I know I wasn't. I came to church week after week on a good show. But the Bible, like a hammer, was breaking my heart, convincing me of sin. And I don't know why, but the, it, the penny dropped, and I realized I did not want to risk leaving the opportunity and continuing to go my own way and end up in hell because I never took the chance, never cried out and asked you to save me. So if there's anyone in this room, Heavenly Father, make them totally uncomfortable. Help them to panic about their soul. And realize that they've been found out. I don't need to list all the sins they know they sin. They know they don't just do bad things. They do sinful things. They break your laws. And they will never be good enough. But if they would just cry out to that name, that one name, there is no other name given among men that can save but Jesus. And that if they would just cry out to that one perfect Savior, he will save them. God, please bless the word this morning to your people. Help Christians realize we've got a job to do. People don't know you. That's why we're here. Go tell them. Hand out gospel tracts. Hopefully open their eyes. So I pray Christians take their life seriously and realize people are not going to ever find God unless, unless we get them the gospel. Faith comes by hearing this book. Help us to give people a reason to believe. In Jesus' name, amen.